0: On today's episode of the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, I'm going to be talking to you about a bunch of things. But one thing I'm going to talk to you about is how to be you. In case you didn't know, I want to teach you how to be you. (laughs) Because who better than me to tell you how to be yourself? So tune in. Here we go. You are listening to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. A show devoted to uncovering the systems and the secrets that set the best apart. Where you learn how to take your coaching clients to the next level. While you grow the coaching practice of your dreams. So sit back and relax. Or sit up and get excited. Either way, you might want to pay attention. This could be important. Hi. Doug O'Brien here. Welcome back to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. I would like to just say before I begin that I am recording today in a rather warm day uh, in a room that has its windows open so that we can get some air moving through here. We do not have air conditioning in our particular little bungalow. So uh, the windows are open. Fans are off, so I am already sweating. But I just wanted to let you know the windows are open because you might be hearing sounds because there's wind chimes outside and there's apparently a storm coming because it's pretty darn windy out there. In spite of it being warm and sunny right now, there are actual warnings about uh, what's to come. So I just wanted to let you know if you hear any ruckus, it's just fine. I'm sure if you are hearing this recording, then everything (laughs) worked out fine and the recording got through to the people that um, make it a podcast. So moving right along, Today's topic is about coaching, not surprisingly, I I hope, um, but specifically about how do you do it? How do you do coaching? Now, my background in coaching goes a long ways back. I started learning about NLP from Tony Robbins back in the 1980s, Um, somewhere in that vicinity, somewhere between 1980 and 1990 or so. Tony started switching out. He just start, stopped talking about what he did as NLP and started calling it Neuro um, Code Systems. And then the next year he said, no, that's not a good name. I, I'm going to call it Neuro Associative Conditioning. And I think he's kept that title since then. But basically, it was pretty much the same thing he had been doing when he, when he was calling it NLP. Um, just sort of changed the terminology a bit. And then, you know, in the early days, when we did NLP sessions with people, we, we called it a therapy. Like I'm going to do an NLP therapy with you kind of thing. And we do a change personal history process or a six step reframe process, but you know, it wasn't therapy in the old traditional sense. We did a, a session and you were fixed. At least that was the idea the, the phobia was gone, you know, kind of fixed. So somewhere around the 1990 ish area, Tony started saying, you yeah, know, I'm not really a therapist though. I'm more of a coach. Um, again, didn't change anything about what he was doing just started changing the terminology a bit so i started thinking about that way back then i thought yeah makes sense it's a good good term but again didn't really think much about it because i was still i was still saying the things that i'd always said is it doing an nlp therapy with you i was advertising as an nlp therapist you know or actually nlp practitioner sorry but um In my mind, I was an NLP therapist and a hypnotherapist, of course, that terminology I did use. But somewhere around that period of time as well, um, Thomas Leonard came around and started talking about actual coaching, but not coaching the way we'd thought of it up to that point, you know, little league coaches or basketball coaches or football coaches, but personal success coaches. You know what I'm talking about, coaching. And Thomas Leonard came around and he's created Coach University and and other coaching things that he did back then. And um, I met him at a seminar that we were both teaching at or both presenting at. And uh, I was very intrigued by what he did. And I started taking his courses um, online, on telephone. It wasn't online. It was on telephone. It was a telephone course. Fascinating stuff. But Thomas was very, very influential. And I give him credit, really, for creating coaching as we know it. Um, Tony might have started calling himself a coach, but he didn't really teach coaching or, you know, engage in it to the way that we do. And Thomas really did. And he also created systems that you could emulate and, and just take and use. He created whole systems you could, you know, print out on your computer on your Mm -hmm. printer and and use them with people like the clean sweep process etc i remember thomas a long time ago obviously a long time ago because he he died in i think 1991 or 1999 2000 somewhere in that vicinity um so suffice it to say it was a long time ago that thomas said uh, told us taught us that a great way to start coaching if you're not fully engaged as a coach yet and wants to start your business as a coach, he suggested that we just go out there and do it. That if you want to really get good at it, do it. Just start coaching. You don't have to charge money for it if you don't want to, but get out there and coach people. So I believe, if I recall, he said that he would go out and coach 100 people, 100 people over you know a year or two years. Just do it. Just coach a hundred people. And sometimes it would be a session, you know, you'd have one session with a person. Sometimes the person would stick with you for two years. All good. All good. Because as you do this, you earn enough money to get by, especially if you're, you know, coaching on your free time. Like if you have a, a nine to five job, you can coach in the evenings or coach on the weekends or whatever. So you you'd earn enough, be all right. And you'd start getting referrals from people because it would work. It works. Coaching really works. So you might make mistakes along the way. But as another one of my teachers once said, anything worth doing is worth doing badly. At first, because you can learn from the mistakes. There's no such thing as mistakes. There's no such thing as failure. There's only feedback. That's a sort of central neuro-linguistic programming, NLP presupposition there's no such thing as failure only feedback right so you're learning Tony Robbins once said there's there's winners and there's learners in any sort of competition there's winners and there's learners so we will learn from all of these people that we will be coaching and they will benefit greatly or they'll benefit a little they'll benefit some but it'll be worth it so don't be afraid to coach just get out there and coach get out there and coach, get testimonials from folks, you know, especially if they're, you know, getting your services for free or cheap, get test or even for are paying a lot of money, get testimonials so that you can have them on your website or wherever else it might be. Just do it. Now, if I remember correctly, um, Thomas referred to this as a capilla capillary capillary approach. Um, a networking tactic where you simply start coaching as many people as possible, they'll introduce you to more clients, they'll introduce you to more, and then just keep on going until you get those a hundred um, coach clients. And by then you are fully experienced, you are ready to go, and you're happy to move on and to work with people on a professional basis as a full-fledged coach. I will also say this. Thomas Leonard started the International Coaching Federation, I think. I would have to look that up for sure. But he started a couple of things, like Coach University and Coachville. And I think ICF he started as well way back then. And he was making it up as he went along, as as I think most people in the coaching community have done. So how do you get good at coaching? It's not by taking more courses. Who made up those courses? People who had been coaching for a while nothing wrong with taking courses, trust me. It's good. But to really get good at it, do it. Because here's the deal. You you need to find who you are as a coach. You're going to find your niche, people who are attracted to what you have to offer, what you have to say. You're going to find those people by doing it. But you got to put yourself out there. They won't know that you're there to be attracted to. Right? You got to, you know, Let people know you're out there. So you do that by coaching. And when you're doing that, you're going to find that there are variations on themes that you are really good at. So as an example, when you learn a new process, I'm going to use a metaphor here. When I learn a piece of music, right? I'm a piano player. So when you learn a piece of music, there's a right way to do it. Right. If it's a classical piece of music, then it's what's written on the page. You know, it's what Beethoven wrote back in whatever that was, 18 something, (laughs) 1825, you know, Um, it was Bach. Then it was whatever Bach wrote back in like 1685 or whatever his years were. But it's clear what the right way to play it is. However, there's still a lot of variation within that. That's why you hear different people playing the same Beethoven piece or the same Bach piece or the same, same Chopin piece in very different ways from one another, different tempos, different loudnesses. Sometimes things are emphasized differently. The melody is differently emphasized. It's going to be personalized in spite of the fact that you're playing it quote unquote, right. Now, when it comes to something more like popular music or jazz, even, there's still a you know, right way to play it. But then once you sort of get it down, you know, once you get the, the notes down and the chord changes down and the, the rhythm down and you got that all down, then you're kind of expected to change it a bit, around a bit, right? You it's that's the whole point to jazz is to put your own personal stamp on it and not play it right anymore, but play it your way. I think it's the same thing in coaching that you find your way to do it you find a way to put your personal stamp on things you want to be you everybody else is already taken so you might as well be you and it becomes really important to recognize that when people hire you to be a coach they're not hiring you to be your friend right they got friends they got mothers who can give them advice they got you know friends who can give them advice people they can talk to A coach is a different animal when you're a coach you got to be engaging in in and i think thomas under called them provocative conversations provocative conversations my friend nick Kemp, you probably remember from some episodes ago does this thing he calls provocative change works that was evolved from frank Fairley's provocative therapy but um Thomas Leonard used that term as well, as I recall. He called them, I think, provocative of conversations. With, with Thomas, everything was a conversation. It wasn't about, I'm going to now do a technique with you. It was all about a conversation, about a conversation. You're talking about things. And differently, however, than you would be if you were just a friend sitting down over a cup of coffee and, and talking about things. You know, this is a coaching conversation. And as such, you want to have provocative conversations. So you're listening carefully to what your, your partner, your player, if you will, you know, if you think back to Dave Bucks um, talking about, this is all game, that's where coaching comes from. It's a game. So when you think about this person you're playing this game with, this game of coaching, listening to carefully to what they're saying and asking right questions, pressing for clarity, Um, and by by sharing your own stuff. The thing also about coaching, by the way, is it it, it is not therapy. It is not therapy. You know, one of the the hallmarks of of therapy is that you don't talk too much about yourself. You know, you let them do the talking and you kind of, you know, in traditional therapy, you just sort of sit there behind behind the sofa they're lying down on and you have a notebook and you're just listening and you go like, oh, yes, tell me more about that and you just listen and write things down and and, um, perhaps offer some insights along the way. But you don't talk about yourself. You don't say, oh, that reminds me of a story. You know, I had a situation just like that. You don't do that in therapy. I think it's a real good thing to do in coaching. Even though a lot of times in coaching, you might not know much about their business per se, Right as an example, I have a lot of coaches um, who ha- who run businesses i I know virtually nothing about I know virtually nothing about real estate as an example i've coached people in real estate long enough to have learned a bit, but i 've never worked in real estate i 'm not an expert in real estate at all. Um, I have a client who's a developer you know he, he creates low-income housing for people, massive structures, massive buildings for lots of people. Again, trust me, I know nothing about that business, but I know about people and I know about coaching and I know how to ask questions. I know how to listen to what they're saying and I listen for what they're not saying and ask provocative questions. Now, provocative, what's that mean? According to Frank Fairley, the aforementioned provocative therapy guy. According to Frank, provocore is the Latin word for to call forth. So provocore is to call forth. Provocative therapy in his view then was to have a client call forth their own healing. So you helped them to call forth their own method of healing. That's what provocative is all about. It's not about just saying something like, "Hey, nice shoes," or you know something that's provocative that's not it at all. It's not it at all. What it is is to bring forth um, challenges with this person. They are not paying you to be friendly. they are paying you to make their lives better long term even if that's hard even have to play a little hardball. ball if you have to be like kind of the tough love person right so you get to do that. As the coach that you are, you speak from your experiences and ask questions, have those provocative conversations. Now, I did look up something about what uh, Thomas wrote about proficiency number one engages in converse, provocative conversations. I believe this was from their website, although I got this as a handout 30 years ago, <laughs> long time ago, 30 years ago. Oh my God, not quite close though. Um, these are the ways to be provocative according to Thomas Leonard. Number one is to um, point to a much larger game, right? So you point to a much larger game. What does that mean? It means that the person might be involved in a particular thing. I had a client this morning as an example, who's um, working in a in a business. Again, I've almost never worked in a corporate setting. And this guy's whole life is in a corporate setting. So he's, you know, talking about these interactions with with people in his workplace. Now that things are kind of going back to being at the workplace after COVID, you know, people are going back into the workplace. And there's, again, interactions with human beings face-to-face. <laughs> I haven't had that in a long time, maybe two-dimensionally on Zoom, but, you know. So there's a situation going on that he had worked with. I don't get into any any details, but what I was talking about was a, how do you handle that specifically in this particular situation? But then I started to look back and say, okay, and what is this like? There's an expression that you've probably heard and maybe believe that, you know, how you, how you do anything is how you do everything. I think there's some truth to that. I don't buy that entirely, But there's certainly some truth to that, and I believed that to be true for this fella in this particular situation, that he was doing a particular thing in a way that he kind of does, let's just say, lots of things, maybe most of everything. So I asked him about that. I said, how is this like what you were talking about yesterday or the last time we spoke um, about your, your family? How is this like that situation that you're talking about with your wife and kids? How is that? How is this like that? And how are you showing up in the world? How are you showing up in this game of life, you know, that we play every day? That is a much bigger game than just that interaction in the office. How are you showing up to do that? So one of the other ways that Thomas Leonard suggested that you can be provocative in your coaching conversations is to point out a distinction. So again, this is a conversation. If you make one Change for your client. One, if you point out a single distinction that they can leave your conversation and go like, "Whoa, wow, that was really uh, that was really interesting." You know, one distinction like that can change somebody's trajectory of their life. Now, keep in mind, we're talking coaching over time, right? A lot of times when I've done coaching in the past with a you know NLP model of um, fixing you in one session, kind of thing, one distinction would certainly not have been enough, <laughs> would it? You know, it's like, wait a minute, I'm only here for an hour and that's what, that's my whole hours worth of change. No, uh, we would need to do much more than that in, a, in that sort of model where you're fixing somebody's, you know, phobia in a session. But in a coaching conversation, it's usually for me a long term conversation. You know, we are, we are conversing. This is an ongoing conversation that goes on for, for months. So that singular distinction that a person can go, it can be really a crux of a matter where they go like, whoa, that's, that's really interesting. That's really insightful. I want more about that. So with this particular client today, I was talking about something that had to do with something he'd been working on over the past few um, months, so uh, so in his work as a developer, he has to do with uh, deal with clients who are not clients, but um, um, government officials. I'm trying to not say anything specific, <laughs> because in case he listens to, he has to work with government officials and and people like that. In his um... so anyway, I um, I mentioned to him about a. Way of working with humans that I'd learned, of course, in the world of hypnotherapy. That when you talk to someone, you can tell them stories and offer suggestions within the story by adding emphasis with your voice. In fact, I, I think I just did it a moment ago, two seconds ago. It was a story I was telling you, and I changed my inflection. So we call them in hypnosis. We call them embedded commands or embedded suggestions. So you can change your tonality and give suggestions within this story. So I suggested to him that he could do that. So like when he was having his meetings with these folks, he could say, you know, just last year before COVID, I was working with this developer down in uh, Jacksonville making this up. And um, and I said to him, you know, Bob, you can really feel good about this Because this is going to change so many people's lives for the better. That, Bob, when this is finished now, when we sign the agreement now, Bob, this is going to be awesome for you. You're going to feel so good. You know, that sort of thing that you can use that sort of language is what I was telling to my client. And so he'd read enough about that. We'd been coaching for years and i would talked to him about it before. That that singular distinction about how he could talk with these you know, government officials and people that he had to work with was just this you know, light bulb going on in his head. So that's one of the things you can also do is offer a singular distinction to your clients. And that is also going to be a way of having a provocative kind of conversation. Now, I don't want to go on for this for, for too terribly long because um, I just don't want to go through everything that Thomas wrote 25 years ago but i just do want to say one one more thing about um how to do coaching and do it in a way that's unique to yourself i think sometimes it's 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 challenging for people people don't want to uh rock the boat or do anything particularly different or unique but i i just want to tell you that one of the most important things you can be is exactly that somebody who rocks the boat and does things differently than you wouldn't normally or ordinarily. To be yourself in coaching, to be yourself is uh, perhaps the number one thing you must do. You must absolutely do is to be you. At some point, you'll find your professional voice and your coaching will be completely yours, not anyone else's. And Thomas always said, you'll find that voice after a hundred clients. So that original thing about just getting out there, just doing it. Get a hundred clients, whether it's a course of a couple of years or a couple of days—probably not a couple of days—but over a year or over two years, doesn't matter. Just get out there and do it because you will find your voice. You'll find your voice. It's beneficial to learn and practice. You know the original official phrasing, right, the official things that they teach you and the coaching skills, etc. But at some point, you'll put your twist onto what you've learned and make an expression of you and what you know works. And when you do that, then your coaching practice is just going to explode. Reminds me of a story. No, Not really, I was just saying that. But... Seriously now, folks, it's a coaching conversation. And so you're chatting with people, you're talking with people. And the other thing I will just say, last other thing I would like to say is that for me, I think that coaching is often about really deep listening, really paying attention to what they're saying and and what they're meaning by what they're saying. And also, of course, what they're not saying. But so much of the coaching conversation to me is listening. I have seen other people, and I, I, I will not mention any names here. But I've witnessed coaches who seem to do uh, most of the talking, and that's okay if you're doing hypnosis. That's you know because you're expected to do that. The client's sitting there with their eyes closed; they're waiting for you to talk. That's fine. And much of what coaching is to me is listening for that little thing that's being said or not said by your client so that you can offer them the distinction within that moment. For me, the coaching is about the relationship. One of my mentors, Stephen Gilligan, again, someone who's been on these coaching calls with me, the Essential Coaching Skill podcaster, I think he was my second guest on here, um, talks about the coaching state, the coach state. And part of that coaching state is just to simply be in the present moment. Be right here with the client turn your phones off right just be with this person whether you're actually live and in person or on zoom or on a phone call your undivided attention is there with that person i think really in a sense that's one of tony robbins's greatest gifts I, i've known tony a long time and i remember um Back in 1986, 87, I was um, maybe seven, 88. I was running the office for him in Manhattan. He had a New York office for the Robbins research there in Manhattan. I I was putting on the shows, you know, I was was creating the uh, firewalk events that we'd hold in Manhattan. And um, this was before he was really big and famous. His book had had come out, um, but, you know, He wasn't on TV, he wasn't uh, the the infomercials. I think we're just starting off, but um, we were walking down 34th Street on the way to the venue and this guy sees him from across 34th Street and comes dashing across 34th Street, which if if you know 34th Street in Manhattan, that's a pretty busy thoroughfare, but he just like dashed across the street. He probably looked both ways before he did, but I'm not sure, but he did successfully get across the street and (laughs) ran up to Tony and said, you're Tony Robbins. I read your book. It's changed my life. It's amazing. And Tony suddenly switched from being this, you know, guy intent to getting to the seminar on time and stuff to like turning his entire full attention on this guy, you know, whom he'd never met, this little guy from across the street, but he like was like, wow, really? And he's like for five minutes. It was just the two of them in all of New York, (laughs) you know, in all of New York city. It was just the two of them talking. They're just fully engaged. It was amazing. It was really impressive, really impressive to see. I will tell you, Tony had just every fiber of his attention on this guy. He was fascinated by what this man was saying. And it was, it was quite remarkable. And I think that is the essence of great coaching. To really be able to focus in on your client like that. So, my advice for you today get out there and do it. Be bad at it if you have to, but do it. Learn. You learn by doing. Give it away for free if you must. Do it anyway. Get 100 clients in 100 days or 100 clients in two years, whatever. Get 100 clients. And remember this listen. Be there in the moment with your clients. Final word, final word. In Ericksonian hypnosis, which is something I've also been working at for many years, Milton Erickson often would say to people, trust your unconscious. Trust your unconscious. And and that's great advice. And and it's very different advice than, for instance, uh, Sigmund Freud would have given his clients. So I Freud would basically say, you know, be afraid of your unconscious mind, you know, different framework. But Erickson is always telling people to trust their unconscious. That's good advice. And if I will say also going back to my music days of being a classical pianist, um, there are times when you, you don't trust your unconscious mind. You, you, you make it do it Right you know, you, you trust your unconscious mind after you've practiced the piece like a thousand million times and you've got it down and your fingers know which note comes next without you having to think about it. Then, yeah, then you trust your unconscious mind. You know, when you, after you've practiced for hours and days and weeks and months and years, and you know the piece backwards and forwards, and you're going out on the stage to perform it for people, then you forget about what's printed on the page. You just get out there and you trust your unconscious mind and you play music. So it's an interesting balance, isn't it? It's an interesting balance. You want to learn how to do it right, learn those techniques, and then you want to incorporate them and integrate them into your own way of being. So it becomes you, you, the master coach. Thank you. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for joining me. If you want any more information about today's show, please visit our website at www.essentialcoachingskills.com. Be sure to tune in again next week for our next episode and discover even more about the systems and the secrets that set the best apart.